Welcome back to Knockout News with Connor Rulonis. This weekend we had a really interesting fight night card with the main event being Tiago Santos versus Magomed Ankalaev. Going through the card, there was four performances of the night. Um, there's no limit on performances of the night, and sometimes I think there's even cards where there is no performances of the night. It just depends on the fights, I guess. So the first performance of the night was on was actually the first fight of the prelims. Uh, the first fight of the night, it was Tafan Nchukwi versus Az- Azamet Mirzakhanov. <laughs> um, Azamet got the round three TKO. So he got performance of the night with that. That was a light heavyweight bout. It was the first fight of the card, so these guys aren't really too popular. They're not really ranked very high, but, you know, that guy... Azamat should get some recognition for this because, you know, it's not every day you get a TKO. The next fight, Chris Moutinho versus Guido Canetti. Um, the only thing I have to say about this fight is, well, Guido Canetti won uh, first round KO. But Chris Moutinho, he famously fought O'Malley. It was his UFC debut. He was He was a step in for another person who was supposed to fight O'Malley. And then this was his UFC debut on the first fight of a main card. And O'Malley completely wrecked this guy. Like, it was bad. Like, one of the things about the UFC is that the commentators start talking about how tough you are. Um, it's probably not going well for you because you're usually getting beat up pretty bad. Um, I'm pretty sure O'Malley broke some bantamweight records for, like, the amount of strikes that he put on Chris Moutinho. So... Chris Moutinho's very next fight, you know, he gets stopped round one, KO. It's not looking great for him. Hopefully he can pick it up. But the ne- um, that wasn't a performance of the night, by the way. That was just the next fight on the card. But the next performance of the night was the next fight between Cody Brundage and Dolce Lunguiambula. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. This is a first round submission. Um, I don't know what what kind of submission it was, but it was first round. This was a middleweight fight. Um, this is also on the prelims of this card, so these guys aren't really too popular or anything. Moving on to the main card, Drew Dober versus Terrence McKinney. Um, that was a first round KO by Drew Dober. Terrence McKinney, you know, he famously had the fastest knockout of any debut. I think it was eight seconds, eight or nine seconds into his debut fight. He knocked out his opponent. So they immediately matched him up with Drew Dober. Drew Dober's not bad. He's not ranked right now, but he has been in the past. Uh, he might just have lost a couple fights or something. But I guess they tried to give him Drew Dober just to see if he was, like, for real. You know, because Drew Dober would be a big stepping stone in, in getting to a higher, like, higher, bigger fights, you know. Uh, but Drew Dober knocked him out in the first round. It's unfortunate for Chance McKinney, but it's also, it's also probably a big confidence boost for Drew Dober. You know, Drew Dober's a really good fighter. He's just had some up and downs. Um, the next fight, Khalil Roundtree Jr. versus Carl Roberson. This is another performance of the night. This is a light heavyweight bout. It was a round two TKO, really early round two TKO. I got a chance to watch the highlights from this fight. It was a vicious TKO, man. He hit him in... Uh, Khalil Roundtree won, by the way. I'm sorry. Khalil Roundtree won and got performance of the night. He hit Roberson with, I think it was an overhand right or a right hook, and knocked him down, and he just kind of 
He swarmed him after that. It allowed him to get back up. I hit him with a knee. And then as I think he went down again, and then he, as he was getting up, he hit him in the body with a, with a kick. And I think that's what put him down for good. So it wasn't like a KO, like he punched him in the face, he went down. It was a TKO. So he hit him in the body so hard that he just fell down and he couldn't continue. Pretty brutal stuff. Khalil Roundtree is vicious, man. I don't know how long he's been fighting in the UFC or where he's at in terms of rankings because he's not ranked. But they um they have they have rankings for every weight that go past the actual written rankings. Like you only get put, you only have a number by your name if you're 15 and up. But you know they have rankings for the whole division. I don't know where he's at. Winning that fight in style will get him some points with the um, the matchmakers for the UFC for sure. Moving on up the card, Sadiq Yusuf versus Alex Caceres. Sadiq Yusuf gets the win, unanimous decision in a three-round fight. Yusuf, man, he's he's interesting because I think he came off of Dana White's Contender series. It's kind of like um, it's a it's a show, and it's a bunch of amateurs fighting. And at the end of the night, or at at the, at the end of every week's show, they give out UFC contracts. I think he came off of there, and you know he's had some really good fights in the UFC. I think he's been on a main card before. He's been on the main card of a pay-per-view before. I'm sorry. Um, I think he might have lost that fight. But he's a really good fighter. He's really powerful. He's in featherweight. He's really powerful for featherweight. He's got some He got some cannons on him. I'm telling you. He was favored in this fight. None of these guys are ranked. So we'll see where he goes from there. I think last time that I saw him ranked, I think he was ranked like 14 or 13 maybe. Um, hopefully he can make it back up there and get into some bigger fights for himself. So the co-main event, this also won performance of the night. It was Song Yadong versus Marlon Moraes. This is a bantamweight fight. Uh, this has a lot of implications for contenders. Like Song Yadong used to be ranked. I think he lost one fight and just kind of lost his ranking. I think he was number 14 or 13 as well and bantamweight and then lost and so he got bumped out of the rankings but he's always been very good he's just really young i think he's one of the youngest fighters on the roster in the ufc and he fights with uh team alpha male with uh with cody garbrandt and uriah faber and all those guys he's kind of been looked at as uh uriah faber is the leader of team alpha male he's kind of been looked at as uriah faber's almost sort of like prodigy maybe he's had some ups and some downs but he's a really skilled fighter and he was fighting Marlon Moraes, who is a perennial top five contender. You know, he's he's taken some losses recently, but he's still a very good fighter. But Song Yudong pulled it out with a round one KO. I don't know, really know what's next for Marlon Moraes because I think he was... Marlon Moraes was number 10, man. I remember two years ago, he was number one in bantamweight. He fought Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo won that fight fair and square, but judges gave it to Marlon Moraes, but he used to be on top of the whole division, and I think he took a loss to Corey Sanhagen, actually. Um, it was a TKO, or it was a KO loss to Corey Sanhagen, and I think he hasn't won many fights since then. I mean, it's kind of unfortunate. He's a very good fighter, but we'll just see where this takes him in his career. You know, honestly, I think he's actually getting older, too. I mean, I don't know what the UFC's plans with him. Sometimes they just cut people. Sometimes they just give him somebody that's not even on their level just to see if they can still do it. I don't know. 
I don't know what's next for him. But that fight won Performance of the Night for Song Yadong, so congratulations to them. Also, by the way, if you win Performance of the Night, you get an extra 50k added to your fight purse. So, good for him. The main event, Tiago Santos versus Magomed Ankalaev. This is a really interesting fight. Tiago Santos is a perennial contender in light heavyweight. He's number five. Magomed Ankalaev is number six. Magomed Ankalaev is also very good. The fight went Ankalaev's way the whole way. It was a five-round fight. It was a unanimous decision for Ankalaev. Ankalaev was 114 of 191 strikes with a 60% uh, striking rate. And, and Tiago Santos was 81% or was 81 of 160 with 51% striking rate. Um, Tiago Santos actually had a knockdown in this fight. Um, looking at the actual round-by-round stats of this fight, I didn't get to watch this fight live, by the way, so I apologize if it just was a completely different story if you watched it live. But looking at the stats of this fight, um, round one, Tiago Santos landed 10 significant strikes to Ankalev's eight. In round two... Tiago Santos landed 13 strikes to Ankalev's 14. Also, Ankalev clinched one time and had control, but it also says that Tiago Santos got two significant strikes on the ground. But there was only one takedown, and it was by Ankalev, so I don't really know how that works. But in round three, Tiago Santos landed 18 significant strikes to Ankalev's 18. That was a that was an even score for significant strikes, and then Ankalev had one strike in the clinch, so I guess it makes it 18 to 19 technically. Round four, Tiago Santos landed 10 10 significant strikes to Ankalev's 18 significant strikes. Ankalev also had a strike in the clinch and two significant strikes on the ground. And round five. Tiago Santos had five significant strikes to Ankalev's also five significant strikes, but in round five, Ankalev had nine nine significant strikes in the clinch to Tiago Santos's one, and there were no strikes on the ground in round five. So it seems pretty close to me just looking at the straight stats. Um, that doesn't always tell the picture of a fight without watching it live. You could say that maybe Ankalev won four rounds to one, maybe even three two. But it was a unanimous decision, so all the judges felt like he won. So I don't know. But anyways, for Tiago Santos, he was number five. Magomed was number six. Um, With this win, obviously, Magomed gets pushed deeper into title contention. I'm sure he could go up to five or maybe even four. If I had a bet, I would say that they would just swap, swap places in the standings. Maybe even Tiago Santos would go down, maybe one or two more than that. Not sure. Magomed Ankalev could fight anybody from... I mean, being a top five contender in your weight class means you fight... means you could relatively actually easily get a title fight. But there's already a title fight in the works between Jiri Prohaska, Prohaska versus Glover Teixeira, the champion. That is supposed to be sometime in the summer. That's a long way away, but... That is the next title fight that's going to happen. It's been confirmed. It's just not scheduled. So realistically, he could fight anybody in the top five. He could fight Anthony Smith. He could fight Alexander Rakic. And he could also fight John or Jan Blahovic. 
Jan Blahovic has actually um, just lost the title to Glover Teixeira. Blahovic's first title defense was against Adesanya, and he won that. But his next title defense was against Teixeira, and he lost. So that was his second title defense that he lost. So now he got bumped down to the number one contender. I could honestly see Magomed Ankalev and Jan Blahovic maybe having a fight. That would be five or four versus one. That would determine. That'd be a pretty good determiner of the number one contender in light heavyweight because, you know, champions champions that don't have a long, a long run of title defenses they don't normally get immediate rematches. Jan Blahovic only had one title defense and he lost the next one. So I'd be willing to bet that the UFC will want to put him up against another contender to make sure that he can still challenge, I guess, you know. So, makes sense to me. I could see Ankalev and Blahovic being a fight, or maybe even Ankalev and Alexander Rakic being a fight. He is number three. He's also very good. You know, light heavyweight's a weird division, man. They're kind of... Light heavyweight is kind of shallow. It's not really a deep division. Um, I don't mean that disrespectfully. It's just there's not many guys in the top 15 that I can see that can immediately challenge for a title. You've got Jan Blahovich, Jiri Prehaska. I was hoping that maybe Tiago Santos could, could work his way up to another title shot because he has gotten a title shot, and that was back when John Jones was the title. You know, uh, And John Jones didn't lose to anybody in light heavyweight. So... Or maybe even Anthony Smith also. He's an interesting person because he he's won a lot of fights, but he's just lost the ones that really mattered to get him to where he needs to be. He's number five. Don't get me wrong. He's not bad. And if he wins one more fight, he could probably get, get another title shot against Glover if he is still the the champion after this Jiri Prehaska fight. But after that, you've got Jamal Hill at number 10, Johnny Walker at 12, Ryan Spann at 3, Jimmy Crude at 14, you know, None of these guys are really pop-out names. Don't, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but none of these guys you can really think can immediately challenge for the title and be successful. You got Dominic Reyes at number seven. He was supposed to be the next big thing, and he got his title shot against John Jones back in 2020, and that was his first loss, and he's only ever lost since then which kind of sucks for him, obviously, but he's he's number seven. He went all the way from number one to number seven with all these losses. He can't immediately challenge for the title either because he's just not there. He has to win at least two or three more good fights before he can really call himself like a number one contender in the, in the light heavyweight division. So with that being said, we can move on to looking at the upcoming fight card between Alexander Volkov and Tom Aspinall. That is the main event. And with the co-main event being Arnold Allen and Dan Hooker. And the next fight being Patty Pimblett versus Kazula Vargas. And then Gunnar Nelson versus Takashi Sato. Um, everything else is not as significant, I guess. So starting with Patty Pimblett versus Kazula Vargas. This is a lightweight bout. I actually know nothing about Kazula Vargas, but I do know about Patty Pimblett. He's kind of just become he's kind of become really popular, and I think he, I think he's only had one fight in the UFC. He's just kind of like he's just a personality, I guess you could say. He's kind of like Conor McGregor, or you know, like a Derek Lewis, or something like that. It's just a really outspoken personality. His nickname is Patty the Batty Pimblett. 
he also is from Ireland, just like Conor McGregor, and he also came out of the fighting league that Conor McGregor came out of, at Cage Warriors. Pretty sure he was a champion in Cage Warriors, just like Conor McGregor, and he's in the UFC now. And he won his first UFC fight by KO, just like Conor McGregor. I'm drawing a lot of comparisons to Conor McGregor, if you didn't notice. But he is a different fighter than Conor McGregor. Um, he's, he doesn't have the same stand-up ability as Conor McGregor. But uh, he, he's a very good fighter. But he's a very good fighter. And he's not ranked yet, only because he's had one fight in the UFC. But against Kazula Vargas, he is favored by negative 490. So... It's pretty heavily favored. In the co-main event, we've got Dan Hooker versus Arnold Allen. And this is Dan Hooker's return to featherweight. So I'm actually really excited about this. Dan Hooker, you know, it's just Dan Hooker. He's been in the game for a very long time. He's very good. He fights out of New Zealand. He fights at uh, heady kickboxing with Israel Adesanya. You know, it's a legendary kickboxing gym. So he's very good at striking. Arnold Allen also is no joke. He's number seven. Oh, also, Dan Hooker is number eight in featherweight. He hasn't fought in featherweight in a long time, but just coming over from lightweight, they put him at number eight. And in featherweight, Arnold Allen, his opponent, is number seven. Arnold Allen, I'm pretty sure, is on a seven or eight fight win streak in featherweight. So this will be a very entertaining fight. I don't think Arnold Allen is very much of a wrestling or jiu-jitsu kind of guy. And neither is Dan Hooker. So that means this fight is gonna be highly entertaining. A lot of a lot of very tactical, very intricate striking, very technical, to say the least. Um, I'm really excited about this fight because I'm a big Dan Hooker fan as well. I think he's just a good guy. And I hope that he can get his career back on track moving down to featherweight. He was talking about it with his coaches and himself that one fifty five was just getting kind of hard to maintain because I think he's more of a natural featherweight and apparently he's been wanting to do it since around 2020 and I think he moved to lightweight way before then so um, hopefully he can get back on track in featherweight and hopefully make a run for the title everybody would love to see that he's kind of a fan favorite moving on to the main event heavyweight fight between Tom Aspinall and Alexander Volkov Alexander Volkov is number six, and Tom Aspinall is number seven. Tom Aspinall, he's kind of, he's a very good fighter. He's 11-2. and two. I know that he has some actual professional boxing experience. He's on an eight-fight win streak, and he's on a four-fight win streak in the UFC. So he's only fought four times in the UFC. He made his debut in 2020, and he's only ever won since then, and this will be his fifth fight. And it'll be his fifth win in the UFC if he wins. And it'll be his ninth win in a row if he wins. He's got nine wins by knockout and two wins by submission. So he's 11-2. and two. He has no wins by decision. He finishes every single opponent that he wins against. That's very, that's very intriguing. Tom Aspinall is kind of like a phenom. Not really a phenom, I'd say. He doesn't have a like a ton of hype around him, but the people that know the UFC know that Tom Aspinall, if he continues his track, he's on a short track for the UFC title. So if he can keep it going, that'll be great for him. But Alexander Volkov is no joke. Alexander Volkov is number six in the heavyweight division for a reason. He is very good at what he does. Alexander Volkov is 34-9, and nine, so a lot more experience, 
a lot more losses, but a lot more experience and a hell of a lot more wins than Tom Aspinall. He's a Russian fighter. He's got 22 wins by knockout and three wins by submission and eight wins by decision. So you could say he's kind of a knockout artist. He's very good at striking. He's got over 50% striking clip in terms of accuracy. He's not really a grappler. He's not really a grappler, but I don't think this is going to turn into a grappling fight. Volkov has won. Volkov has won five out of his last six, including wins against Greg Hardy, Walt Harris, Alexander or Alex Overeem. He lost to Gone, who just fought Ngannou for the title and lost, but he also beat Tibera. In October 2021 was his last fight. So Alexander Volkov is no joke. He's very good. And we'll just have to see what happens. Um, sometimes I like to make a call on these fights. But this one is really up in the air. Because I know Tom Aspinall is very good. He has the skills to put Volkov, or he has the skills to put Volkov down. But at the same time, Alexander Volkov has been around the block. He knows exactly what Tom Aspinall was trying to do. And he also has the skills to put away Tom Aspinall. So if that makes any sense, I have no idea what can happen. Um, but I will say that interesting statistics is that Volkov has a 2-inch reach on Tom Aspinall, having an 80-inch reach, and Tom Aspinall has 78-inch reach. And leg reach, he has a 3.5-inch reach advantage on Tom Aspinall. It's 475 inches for Volkov and 44 inches for Tom Aspinall. So if you're just looking at straight stats, it looks like maybe he has the advantage in that, but there's a lot of fighters who are able to negate any advantage that their opponent has by imposing their, uh, their fighting style per se. So also Volkov is, is two inches taller than Aspinall at six, seven and Aspinall is six, five. So that's just the metrics. That in no way means who's going to win the fight. You know, reach a reach is an advantage, but it's it's not everything. Next week we will have a breakdown of those fights as well as a also a breakdown of the upcoming fights on UFC 273 between Alexander Volkanovsky and the Korean Zombie and Peter Yan versus Aljamain Sterling. Two title fights in that card, so I can't wait to break it down with y'all. But for that, I'm going to end it here. Thank you for listening to the fifth episode of Knockout News, and we will get back with you next week.